Mom Friend Hotline, how may I help you? Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mom Friend Hotline. I'm recording this without my headphones, so I can't hear my voice, so I hope that I'm sounding okay to you guys and that I'm not protruding into your ears or something. Um, And I'm sorry if you can hear any background noises as well, Um, but I'm alone, so if there are any noises, it's probably the ghosts, because it is Halloween today. Folks, it is Halloween. And um, today we're talking about relationships, because I asked, hold on, my glog just, just finished in the microwave. Slurp warning. Ooh, that's hot. That's some spicy glog for anybody who cares, which is probably one person. I'm drinking the Blossa glog, which is absolutely delicious. It's my favorite one. I did buy another one, however, today, which I'm probably going to test after this one because one cup of glögi is never enough. Okay, let me shuffle myself into this corner. Oh, great. Hi, so I'm supposed to be studying right now as usual. In the spirit of Halloween, I thought let's have some spooky stuff, which actually isn't that spooky. So I don't have that many fears. Um, One of my biggest phobias is I actually don't know the name, like the specific name of it. But I'm afraid of scars. Or not scars, like I'm afraid of um, wounds and blood, but mostly wounds and seeing cuts on other people. It makes me feel faint and nauseous and um, all flushed and I usually have to lay down. So you can imagine I've never been able to watch any sort of horror movie usually because a lot of them involve very raw acts of violence where you can see the wounds, etc. I've always had to look away in any form of surgery uh, because I just haven't been able to handle it. Once my friend came over to our place and she cut herself with a knife and it wasn't like super deep, the cut, but it was still deep enough that it wasn't just fixable with a Band-Aid. So we had to take her to the hospital which was luckily next door, or like the, what's it called, like the doctors basically. And they stitched her up or they actually glued the cut because that was some kind of new new thing that they could do. But um, I tried to stand in the room with her because I knew how kind of afraid and frightened and stressed out she was uh, because we were supposed to leave to my summer cottage that day. And uh, uh, yeah, so... We, we were in the room, and uh, the cut was getting taken care of, and I just simply couldn't be there for my friend because I was starting to feel so nauseous and so bad, and at some point I was just like, I'm sorry, I just have to go. Thankfully, my mom was there, so she could offer her support, but I went and sat outside and took deep breaths and hoped I wouldn't puke all over the hospital corridors thankfully i didn't but it wasn't the nicest experience and i felt like complete crap because the cut was very minimal but i still had such a strong reaction to it i 
I've always dreamt, well not always, I've dreamt for a while that I would like to become a neuroscientist or somebody who studies people's brains and their, how that's like associated with their, uh, with people's behaviors. So for instance, how biological anomalies in somebody's brain could be connected to behavioral problems, behavioral problems. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly behavioral problems and just in general like what are factors that could explain certain types of how people act and why different people why certain people act differently than others etc so that would be like incredibly interesting to research but since I'm afraid of blood and cuts and stuff it doesn't really go one-on-one you know with the neuroscience although most of the stuff which is done is by not having to protrude into the person's brain. Um, That's still a part of the study process. And since neuroscience is deeply linked within um, the medicine side, which is then again linked to biology and physics and stuff, and you definitely have to do like lab research I probably would not have the guts to do that so either I need to um, live my life with this phobia or then I've been thinking maybe I should go to behavioral therapy and maybe try to overcome this because uh yeah it is a problem that is affecting my life not like constantly every single day but I would just wish to not be such a wuss sometimes um but it's still a small problem in the scale of life and I think that I could be able to act in a situation where I really would need to act accordingly or if um somebody actually was in like life danger somebody's life was in danger I wouldn't you know be like oh my god ew I can see your stomach (laughs) I'd obviously like (laughs) help them and try my best and I think that in those situations you really push aside your fears and you just when somebody's life is at risk you don't really think about you know, your own fear, but rather just have in mind the other person's life or your own life uh, for the fact. But it's kind of weird because my wound phobia doesn't affect myself. So if I have a cut on myself, I don't feel nauseous or anything. I'm If something, I'm actually more curious about the wound and I might poke it and like look at it and you know, stretch it more open, which is obviously idiotic, but, you know, I'm, I have this fascination and obviously the instinct of like, ooh, save yourself kicks in. And I think I've talked about this with my mom and her theory is that if the wound is on yourself, you can control the pain, which it inflicts. Like, you know, you know how much it hurts and you can kind of control it and you can feel it either develop or get le- like hurt less, etc. Whereas if it's on another person, it's impossible for you to guess how much or how little the wound hurts. So you empathizing with that, just your body can't reflect the same feeling as the other person is feeling, which misguides you to probably feel worse than the person with the wound is actually feeling like. If it's a case of a more minor, minor wound and not like a life-threatening situation... So yeah, that is my biggest fear. Well, not biggest fear, but that's like my biggest phobia, I would say. The one that causes me the most problems in a way. 
Um, I'm also afraid of the dark, like a lot of people in this world. Um, I feel more like it's a discomfort, a feeling of discomfort nowadays, more than actually being afraid. I hate one of the worst feelings is if you have to walk through a dark forest and it's like nighttime and there's like no lights. Yeah, no, thank you. I actually recently drove in Rovaniemi with some of my friends. We were going to watch the Northern Lights. And in Rovaniemi, if you leave the city area, quite quickly, there are no lights along the roads. So there's only the lights from your car. And it's creepy as fuck. Seriously, it's so dark. So like, no, not in a nice way. And... We were going to watch um, the the Northern Lights, as said, and I hadn't driven there before. And on the first night, we just did a U-turn because it was so foggy and so dark that literally we just got so spooked out that I was like, okay, I'm not driving like further <laughs> into that fog. And the next day, it was more or less the same situation, but the fog was not as thick as the day before. So then we drove through the fog and it actually ended up lifting a few kilometers later but uh yeah that was horrible I would absolutely not drive by myself because I always envision like murderer scenes or whatever and just like deep woods and stuff just are the creepiest ever even though there wouldn't be like any danger but just the fact that you can't see things properly and obviously your imagination kind of or your vision tries to fill in the gaps which the darkness is basically providing and so obviously it's very natural for people to be afraid of the dark because um you're not as aware of your surroundings as you are during when it's light and you're more prone to be a victim of something of course nowadays it's more like murder or rape or stuff like that but in from our ancestors point of view there could always be like an animal lurking in the bushes or some other tribe that was at war with your tribe that would be lurking in the bushes. So I feel like it's a very... We've lived so short on this planet that it, it's quite natural that that instinct hasn't just left our bodies because our, because our society has changed so much. But our DNA has not kept up with the change of our society. So yeah, I'm also afraid of the dark. Any of you guys are afraid of the dark? I suppose that a lot of new listeners could be afraid. If I've understood the correctly, the one of the most common fears is obviously the being afraid of the dark, but is also the there was a name for this fear. Actually, actually psyched to go talked about this, but I don't remember the name. But it's the fear of falling, which I also have. And I've diagnosed diagnosed this to myself a while ago. But I'm not, like, afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling from a high place. Like, I don't mind being, like, in a huge, like, a very, very tall place if there's, like, a window or, like, a railing or whatever, as long as I'm not too close to the railing. Um, Because, for instance, the Empire State Building in New York, it has very high fences at the top. So you can't, there's no way for you to fall from the Empire State Building, unless you climb over the fence and there's uh, quite a lot of guards checking that nobody is doing any funny business. So 
I felt really safe like up there because I enjoy the view. Like I love being up high, like for instance, on airplanes, I love being on airplanes and I'm obviously not afraid of falling from there and I'm not afraid of being so high up. So I'm not afraid of the height. I'm just afraid of falling from a high place. So any tower, which, you know, doesn't have the best railing or the highest railing just makes me feel uncomfortable because I feel like I'm going to fall. The worst ones are, that's why I also don't like skiing, like downhill skiing, because when it's like a really steep and tall hill, if it's during the summer, you if you like start falling or if you slip, you don't fall the whole hill down because there's grass and rocks and stuff that you can, you know, stop yourself at. But when it's winter, it's just so slippery and icy that you could just, you know, continue falling down the hill and just gain more and more speed until you crash against something. So I hate the idea of that, which is why I don't really like downhill skiing as much either. Although that's one of the fears that I really have to get over. I don't think I'm ever going to be really able to enjoy it. I'm not a person who really has to seek like extreme thrills to enjoy my life. Like I don't see the point of like jumping from airplanes and uh, bungee jumping and stuff. Like I would love to jump from an airplane. I think it would be a great experience. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not willing to take the risk of the parachute not opening and falling to my death, you know, like, no, thank you. Um, same with bungee jumping, like I don't see the point. Plus I wear glasses, so I wouldn't really enjoy it as much. Like I would have to have contact lenses. And for instance, in skydiving, I think the height is so high that it's not a good idea to have contact lenses because the pressure in the air is very different. And I don't think it's very good for your eyes to, you know, wear contact lenses. And if I would, you know, not be wearing glasses, there would be almost no point for me to jump from an airplane because I wouldn't see anything. So I wouldn't really enjoy the view, which is like the main point kind of, of jumping from such altitudes. But anyway, so yes, I also suffer from the most common fear, which is the fear of falling. But as I said, I don't think these really restrict my life in any single way. Like, it's not as extreme as the fear of germs or like germophobia or claustrophobia, which are both fears that can really impact your life on a daily basis. Like if you, if you really are afraid of crowded places, um, like if you're claustrophobic in a very serious way, Maybe like avoiding elevators can be a big problem for you because especially if you live in countries where there are very tall buildings, I mean, you're not going to probably start walking like the 200 floors to your apartment, but rather like take the elevator or the lift if you're British. Um, <laughs> anyway, so those are my fears. I used to fear spiders as well. So I had the arachnophobia, but I've... Uh, I gave myself some behavioral therapy. I took myself as a patient. I'm not kidding. After studying psychology in high school, 
I was like, okay, and I, I learned about behavioral therapy and what the methods are used. So I, you know, took a step-by-step how to overcome my fear of spiders, and I did it. I still don't like the idea of having a spider on me. Like, that's, I'm, like, I don't like the idea of having a spider on me because it could go, like, up my sleeve or whatever, Like, if I could have, like, a big tarantula on my hand, that would be fine because it couldn't, like, go up my sleeve, you know? And tarantulas don't usually do anything to you. Like, they're, you know, they're usually, it's the very small spiders that are the most poisonous, like the Black Widow. No, thank you. Not her on my hand. Um, But, yeah, so I, yeah, if you're interested in knowing how behavioral therapy works, well, let me explain to you. <laughs> no, but seriously, this, it's like, um, obviously, this is, this is a fast version of the behavioral therapy. And obviously, there are more steps if you actually go to therapy and so forth. But if you want to test this at home, um, go ahead. So the first step is to just talk about your fear and talk about why you why you think you're afraid of whatever you're afraid of. If we're talking about spiders, like let's take that as an example, because that's what I was talking about. Um, so you you go you process through like what is it that you might actually be afraid about um, in the spider. So you just talk about it, um, and then after that, the second part is to imagine in your head a picture of a spider or a spider moving or whatever, just seeing a spider. And you usually feel a level of discomfort depending on, it can depend on how high or how low the level is, depending on how severe your phobia is. So for instance, in the beginning, I didn't really even like thinking about spiders, but the more I kind of spent time thinking about them, the more normal I became and so forth. After that, um, well, there's a lot of talking involved, but like I obviously was talking to myself, so I wasn't going to go through like very deep conversations with myself. But you kind of analyze how that makes you feel about thinking about spiders, how you analyze how it makes you feel to think about spiders. And then after that, you might take a picture of a spider into your hand and look at it, look at different pictures of spiders, different spiders, maybe even look at a video of a spider, depending on what level you're at. Um, And if it feels like it's overwhelming, you can always take a step back. So like if you've looked at a picture of a spider and it makes you very uncomfortable, then you move back to a step about just thinking about looking at a picture of a spider or thinking about a spider, and then you move forward again. So it's a bit like a waltz, you know? You move forward and then you move backwards and then forward and backwards. And then eventually the last step is to first be in a room with a spider. So you could just look at it through a terrarium. And then lastly is to actually hold it in your hand. So to submerge yourself to that fear in order to overcome it. I didn't actually ever take a spider on my hand, which is, as I said, still feels uncomfortable for me so that's a part of the phobia that I haven't overcome but it's something that I can totally live with because there are not many situations where I would have to take a spider into my hand actually that's not true well it hasn't been actually on my hand but one of the ways that I was disassociating myself from this phobia 
was if I saw like a spider inside or hanging like from a chair next to me and I didn't, you know, want the spider then to crawl onto me or me to sit on it and squash it. I would uh, put my finger where the web was, like if it was hanging from its web, and then just move my hand onto another platform where it could attach the web to. And usually the spider never had time to climb up the web to my hand. It would just, you know, be hanging from the web. Or then another one is to myself, you know, put a newspaper under a spider if there was one inside and lift it outside because I don't spiders are good creatures like they do a lot for our environment so I don't see the point in killing them in general I don't see points in killing animals if you know just because they've accidentally found their way into your home um I do kill fruit flies because they're the most annoying little creatures ever um and obviously like <clears throat> bugs that destroy like your clothes and stuff if I see them so them them I do kill I'm not like oh go free and go destroy more clothes no thank you but like spiders they eat mosquitoes and other creatures of the sort they actually eat a lot of um what do you call them ticks and since ticks carry borreliosis and they're the tiniest little shits ever, I'm like, yes, go spiders, eat more ticks. Um, and that's why I want to <laughs> free them, you know, into the nature. But anyway, so I started picking up spiders on my own, you know, on the newspaper and carrying them out or on my hand, like from a web or taking a stick and whatever. So yeah, that I still like the, the spiders I feel most uncomfortable with are the ones that aren't tiny, but the ones that aren't like the size of a tarantula. Like the ones that are about the size of the size of a two euro coin, maybe, or a bit bigger than that, like a golf ball, you know, that size. I feel like that's the worst size of a spider because it can still go up your sleeve, but it's still big enough for you to feel somewhat threatened by it for some reason. Like at our summer cottage, we always have this one huge spider that does a web to the sauna. And I'm like, um, no, thank you. I don't want you on me. And then for some reason, you really can't see the web. And it's like, it's at this corner. So when you come up the steps, if you actually accidentally come up from the wrong side, you can hit the web. And that would be like, that at that point, I haven't come over my fear because in the sense that I hate thinking about the idea of walking into the web and getting the spider on my freaking face and then having to like take it off and probably be screaming even though the spider would be even more frightened than me because I would have just ruined its home but still just the idea of that just like makes me shudder and be like you no no thank you no thank you just please no <laughs> um but yeah Otherwise, I've come over the fear of spiders and I don't jump on a chair just because I see one crawling on the floor. I rather just, if it's a very big one or the one of the jumpy spiders, which are sometimes hard to catch, I just might grimace and be like, okay, please work with me. I'm just want to lift you outside. Thank you very much. So, from actual real phobias, why don't we move on to why some people may be afraid of commitment? 
Now, I actually haven't psychoanalyzed this, so I haven't done like any any research on this. So these are just my speculations on what what could be causing a person to have commitment issues. Now, obviously, a part of it could be like trust issues. For instance, if they've been cheated on in a past relationship and they're kind of protecting, it's a defense mechanism for them to protect themselves mentally, to not get hurt again. Or then maybe they've never really had a safe attachment model to their parents, but it's rather been like a disassociated um, attachment model that they haven't really... Their parents have been a bit more distanced and haven't maybe shown them as much affection as they would have needed. So they maybe don't have like a, like they haven't had that from childhood. So maybe they don't really crave that in the similar way. Like they don't crave, yeah, being attached to a person or just, I feel like in general, people with commitment issues usually have some form of toxic relationship, um, like past in the past, whether that's with a significant other or with a friend or a family member, but there is some form of toxicity in the background. Usually if it's not like a question of a single young male who wants to go around partying and hitting on women and sleeping with hundreds of different women because he can, but rather a situation where a guy is actually falling in love, but he is afraid to commit to the person, said person, because he doesn't want to or doesn't feel like it. Uh, I feel like there's usually always always something in the background that can explain the commi- commitment issue and usually stems from childhood, like almost every single psychological problem. Because unfortunately, we can't, affect what happens to us as children and how we are treated as children because we're solely focused on growing up and evolving and becoming the person who we are and sadly we can only address the problems caused by another party later on when we are adults or in our teens and going through a lot and being like why did this happen to me when I had no influence on this but still it made me so fucked up and now I'm in therapy and have to pay for it even though I did not cause this to myself but rather my non-existing parents or bad my bad parents or the way that I was brought up or the um, way that I was mistreated in X place or whatever it might be for you guys. Yeah, I don't know. I always feel like there's a problem behind each problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Like behind each commitment issue, there lies another issue which causes the commitment issue. And you have to resolve that original issue in order to resolve the commitment issue. So for instance, behind anxiety issues or depressive issues, there's usually always a lying cause causing these issues it's not like oh bam you suddenly wake up and you feel anxious all the time but there's rather something behind it some something that's happened in your past that could explain it not always obviously all of these all the issues that people have are are individual and unique but for many cases there are situations in the past that could explain and it, it feels like very weird and kind of spooky that your childhood can affect your persona as much, like so much. And yet you have like no say 
into what happens in your childhood, you know, and to think that if I might be a parent someday, that everything that happens or that how I raise my kid up to the fact that they're like up till the age of like 12 is going to define them for the rest of their lives, basically. Like, obviously, if you've been abused or mistreated when you were a kid, it doesn't mean it has to define you for the rest of your life, but you're going to have to struggle with it a lot through therapy and you're going to have to sort out through your thoughts and what thoughts um, this abuse has awoken up in your head and your mind, etc. That, my folks, I feel is spooky. And the darkness. Darkness is creepy as hell. I'm already on to my second cup of glog, slurp warning. And shocking, I actually like this one better than Blossa, even though I thought Blossa was going to be my favorite. This was the, it's a blueberry blazed, blazed, a blueberry based glog, and uh, which is called the Northern Lights, but in Finnish, so Revontuli. Delicious, absolutely delicious. I think it's my current favorite. I'm suffering a bit of a cold, like I'm cold because I saw my friend who I haven't seen in many, many years and it was lovely to see her and we went on a lunch. We had to sit outside because the restaurant was fully packed and I was fine for like the first three-fourths of the time we were there, but then I got cold by the end of it, so... I think I was a bit chilly and my bones, the warmth hasn't still penetrated all the way to my bones yet. So I'm still still freezing a tiny bit, but I'm gonna light some candles and drink some more glog and I think it's gonna turn out great. So how have you guys been doing? What have do you guys have any Halloween plans? Are you going to any parties? Probably not that many because it's corona. Uh but maybe you're having a little quarantine Halloween. Are you guys watching any movies, any scary movies? I actually would like to watch the movie Get Out because it's being Oscar. The actor of the main character, I think, was nominated for Oscar. I'm not sure if he received one or not, but he does seem to be playing a, a fantastically well done role and I really want to see the movie. Don't spoil it to me. I hope there isn't a lot of blood because I'm, as I said, I'm not very into that. I saw in the trailer that there were some brain operating room things. So I might do a little questionnaire on YouTube to just like you guys vote who've seen it to tell me if it's bloody or not. Because if it's very bloody, then... No, thank you. But if it's just like if it's only one scene or it's very little and you can look away or stuff, then it's fine because I want to see the movie. I know how it ends. And uh, but I haven't spoiled like the rest of it, like what happens in the movie. So but because I know how it ends, it's fine. Like <laughs> I, I'm OK with it. Um, so yeah, I really want to watch that. But I think I have to watch it during daytime because otherwise it's too scary. But Jay and I are going to watch the second movie of, or the second in the series of Batman. Because believe it or not, I still haven't seen them. I've only seen the first one for a while ago with Jay as well. But now we're going to watch the second one. And um, in honor of Halloween, maybe we'll eat some popcorn or something. And uh, nothing special really. But it's nice to have a little movie night. 
And since I've been recording this podcast for this long, I'm just going to wrap this up and then I'm going to go study. So it's going to be nice to, after, you know, after studying to reward yourself with something, something small, you know, as a movie night. And uh, yeah, really just cozy up as, as said. And uh, even though Halloween is supposed to be like a spooky night or whatever, but I really, I haven't attended a Halloween party in like ages and if it wasn't Corona, it would be really nice to attend one or to host one, but sadly it is Corona and I think maybe if we have, uh, we have a slight chance that next, by next Halloween, Corona could be at least almost gone, but we'll see how the situation goes. I'm in no hurry in a way because there's nothing I can really do about this except, well, obviously with my own behavior, help out the situation and try to minimoid, minimize risk, so much risk as possible. But there's only so much that I can do, obviously. And uh, I'm not, you know, going to change the situation of the world by snapping my fingers and neither is anybody else. So this is just something that we're going to patiently have to wait on and either either get the vaccination for it or then just going to have to suffer from it each year because apparently there is already a new form of the coronavirus. But we'll see how this goes if this becomes like a new influenza epidemic because the influenza is also a COVID, but it's just a different COVID. We'll see. We'll see how the situation goes. The previous COVID, the pig flu, one, I mean, didn't turn out to be a yearly problem, so so we'll see if this pandemic does. But until then, um, I feel like people complain like so easily about the current situation and how their life is so hard and la di la. Obviously, if you know you're losing your job or or your health is at risk, etc., that's a completely fine reason to complain and it's more than acceptable. But I feel like people don't. Like they're so people, some people are, are so oblivious to their own privilege that they don't realize the irony of them when they complain about certain things. It just portrays in just how well their life is and how well things are for us right now and in the world that I live in. And in the situation that I'm at, uh, being a student, I I don't have to really worry about my income because <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> no, but you know, it's it's not the same as if I would be working and then being afraid of losing my job every single day, or being afraid of my health, which I obviously am because I already was sick with a chronic mononucleosis. So my first priority is to avoid getting the corona. Because I really don't want to spend another few years just trying to battle getting my physical health back when I've barely gotten there and I'm still struggling every single day with um, my physical health and, you know, seeing if I'm going forward or if today is a day where I'm taking a step back. But in general, like we're going in a good direction and my physical health is getting better and better every single day. And I honestly would feel so devastated if after all the work and all the patience and, you know, being like, I'm finally seeing some minimal positive results in my physical health, that it would be all taken away from me. 
and I have to I would have to start from an even worse situation than where I was in to begin with and to start from even an even lower point than where I was last year I really like I don't know it frustrates me to listen to the complaints that some people have of this situation because everybody is going through this and it's shitty for everybody I don't think anybody is like woohoo I love the situation that we're in right now. Like, okay, I'm enjoying it because I can be with Jay, but obviously there are like bad parts about it and there are parts that are slowing down. I would obviously like to see my friends and I would obviously like to go to the library. Everybody, every single one of us would probably want to do that, but it's not going to change the current situation and it's only going to make yourself feel crappier and everybody around you feel crappier if you complain about the situation all the time and about seriously minimal problems okay this is not supposed to be a rant but just it gets to my head but anyway yeah as I said I feel like it's ironic that people don't see the privilege that they're in it's a privilege to be able to complain about such small things that corona can be canceling for you and that people don't see that as a privilege I think is very sad and um tells a lot about tells a lot about a person but also a lot about the fact that they maybe haven't considered or that they haven't been in a situation where things have been taken away from them in the same way because that they would know that things could be a lot worse than what they are right now like I honestly I don't give a shit about things being canceled and you know studying being harder and not being able to see your friends as much as you'd like to because I still have my family and I still have every single one of them um, that are alive and that are here for me. And I am not sick in the hospital fighting for my breath every single day like some people are with coronavirus. And I'm lucky enough to be able to go to the supermarket by myself and buy my food by myself and not have somebody else have to do that for me. And I'm able to go and go on walks or go to the gym or do a workout at home or Zoom call with my friends or have a board night, a game night with my friends if I want to. I can watch stuff from Netflix that I usually never have the time to watch because I would live a busy life and have choir practice and have um, gym lessons and have different school activities and things to attend and stuff. And now that those have been canceled, I've been able to catch up on non-incredibly non, like, entertaining but not very valuable form TV shows that still bring me a lot of joy into my day-to-day -day life. And I'm thankful for that because that's something that you're not going to do once the situation normalizes. And I feel like Corona is also a situation. Why is this turning into a Corona episode and not like a, not like a Halloween episode? Anyway, I'm just going to finish my rant. Um, and I feel like Corona is a situation when, where every single one of us should be reflecting on ourselves and how we feel like when we're alone. Because I feel like a lot of people don't really take that time to really be with themselves and to find out who they really are and how to cope with your possible negative thoughts. And this situation that we're in right now is a prime. This situation that we're in right now is a perfect situation for us to be able to 
really reflect on ourselves and our habits and maybe work on our goals. Like this is a, this is a moment. This is like the, (laughs) this is the world is literally giving you a pause button and being like, you have to stay at home. So you could stay at home and mope about it, or you can stay at home and dream about the things that you can do once this is over, or maybe work towards those dreams. Boom, what a speech! No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But I will end on that note, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I'm sorry about the little rant, but I hope it also inspired you to think away from your possible little bubble and to not feel mopey about the fact that there might not be a Halloween party this year, because at least you're not in the hospital being held alive by a breathing machine. But you can be at home and watch a nice Halloween movie like I'm going to do tonight. I hope that uh, you guys are going to have a great evening and a great rest of the weekend and week. I hope all the best for you guys and uh, the seasons are changing so you can expect some Christmas content from me from now on because yes, I start hyping Christmas in November. Oh, my throat is itching so bad. This glog is so good. Honestly, you guys, once you get into the Christmas mood, go and buy this glog. It's amazing. My throat is drier than the desert in Sahara, which means that this is a perfect moment for me to end this episode. As said, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Please subscribe if you want to follow me for my every second week podcast. But I'm going to try and post a bit more often now because I think I'm going to record in advance some podcasts for you guys so that you can get some some quality content <laughs> into your life. Anyway, if you want to head and check out my YouTube channel, it's at Yasu Stories. If you want some visual aspects and, you know, plus this audio aspect here but anyway and if you want to rate this podcast five stars on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts that would be fantastic thank you so much anyway i will hear you in the next episode thanks so much for listening and have a great one okay bye guys (laughs)